Welcome to Dig It. This is Edge with Corey from Corey's Dig. Speaker's out today. How you doing? How you doing, Corey? I'm doing pretty good. Keeping busy as ever. How about you? Yep, yep. Doing good, actually. Uh, just uh, watching the the show, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's been kind of a, a busy week this week. We've had a lot going on, and I know right? a speaker's wishing that he could be here, but he's been having tech issue after tech issue, and so... Uh, just no, his internet's down, so... Yeah, yeah. So he's working on getting that fixed and hopefully be back next week. But uh, yeah, we got a lot to cover today. And I know you just published an article um, talking about how to um, talk to school boards, how parents can talk to school boards. So we'll get into that. And um, I published a a video this week uh, focusing on farmers and ranchers and food security and all of Biden's policies that are definitely throwing Uh, a wrench into that. And mm -hmm. then we had um, Trump make a pretty big announcement this week about how he's suing big tech and doing a class action suit, actually. And yep. Then we had some interesting news, which we're still trying to piece together um, on Haiti, the the Haitian president um, and that assassination. Um, And then uh, just some some interesting updates on January 6th. So do you want to get started on your uh, piece that you wrote this week? Sure. So I had this idea. I was actually I was on a walk with my friend. (laughs) And she's a mom and she was talking about some stuff she was gathering together because she was going to go talk to the school board. And, and it just hit me. And I said, oh my gosh, you know what? That would be a great idea because to, to from, like if I wrote an article with some talking points, you know, because you only get three to five minutes to talk. And I think, you know, there are certainly some, some parents out there that are excellent at speaking in front of people, have no problem with it. Um, and can go up there and speak very passionately. We've seen some awesome viral videos on that. So kudos to them. But, you know, I think there's a lot of people like I'm one, I can tell you that are a little shy to go stand in front of a room full of people. And, um, it might kind of scramble your brain a bit while you're trying to keep all your thoughts in order. So I thought maybe I could write up some talking points on the key topics that I think are, are the biggest issues that parents are having to deal with, with the public school system, just to kind of, you know, they could like pick some of the different points that make sense for them. And then they could add in their own and, and kind of help them along. And then I also have a lot of statistics and data points in here, um, such as this, this shocked me. So only five to 10% of people vote in school board elections across this country. Yeah. That's crazy. We've got 56.6 million children attending school and only five to 10% of the parents are participating in the election. And these people pretty much hold the highest power over their education or, you know, indoctrination. So it's really important. And what they've done, and I'm sure this is, you know, designed this way intentionally is they, the majority, like three out of every four states hold school board elections off cycle. So they don't take place at the same time as, you know, other federal and state elections. And 
<clears throat> I think it's intentional because right. you know, people just don't don't know when they are. They don't pay attention. And, and you know, up to this point, the stage of the game, a lot of parents just didn't even think it was something necessary to pay attention to. Right. So, We've got so, so much stuff on our minds, so much stuff on our plates. We thought the school boards actually had, you know, things taken care of on their end. Right. And then this just exploded. And uh, parents are just now realizing how important those positions are. Mm-hmm. And I certainly am one of those parents who never voted in a school board election. But certainly right. if I hadn't taken my kids out of the school system, right. I would be. So Right. Well, and speaking of taking them out, this was another shocking one. I mean, not really shocking. Um, I think it was, you know, with given everything that's gone down in the past year, this um, makes a whole heck of a lot of sense, but it's still kind of a stunning number. So it's literally quadrupled from 2019 up to 2020 by the, by October of 2020. So that's after you've already enrolled your kids in school, right? Right. So by October, 2020, the number of people pulling their students out of school has quadrupled. So so we're talking an increase of uh, two and a half million K through 12 students being homeschooled in 2019 to four and a half to 5 million by March, 2021. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. And what's, what's also interesting is, is uh, black parents pulling their children's out of school has increased five times the rate. Wow. That's yeah. really interesting. So um, as far as, you know, especially when it comes to CRT uh, being pushed in the school systems, um, you wouldn't think that uh, that would be a statistic that, that they would be five times more likely to withdraw their kids and, and homeschool at right? this point. It just kind of tells you that they're not buying it either. Exactly, exactly. And then we have a massive increase in teachers leaving as well. So on average, 8% of teachers leave their profession each year, but in a national survey that was done, 54% of teachers, and this, this was just recently done, have said that they are somewhat or very likely to leave their position in the next two years. So uh, from another survey from December, 2020, 27% of teachers said they are considering quitting. So, uh, you know, they're, they're feeling this too. And of course it's a, it's a combination. So like a lot of emphasis seems to be put on the critical race theory and rightfully so. Uh, one of the bigger things that's going on is the whole gender identity, complete mm-hmm. breakdown of all children and the, um, the, the brainwashing they're doing with that and the sexualization of children. And, and then you add to that these mask mandates and the testing and the required injections, and it's just a freaking recipe for disaster. So it's no wonder, you know, parents are pulling their kids out of school and saying to heck with this, we're done. But there's some that can't, you know, that, that right. aren't just aren't there yet. They're not in a position, they're still working things out and schedules out and they're not there yet. So maybe they have to wait another year or two. And so in the meantime, you know, they need to be fighting the school boards um, <clears throat> and they need to rally together with other parents to go into these meetings. And if they do pull their children, all pull them out on the same day. This is going to hurt these public schools and could possibly close their doors. You know, the, the, it's going to hurt their funding. 
it's going to hurt everything across the board. So if we scroll down, um, you know, I give some tips just on how to how to reach out to the school board members and emailing them and just trying to have a discussion and and checking the schedules and the agendas so that you can get get um, to a school board meeting to be able to actually speak. So I explain all that and then we get into the talking points and I did it on four sections. So we have the mandatory mask and social distancing talking points and I, I won't get into them here. Um, and then the required jab talking points. And then we have the gender identity and sexualization of children. And then we have the, and that one's, that one's a big one because for anyone who saw the viral video going around with the one woman, God bless her, that went and spoke regarding a curriculum that's put out by the national sex education standards, which edge we should like, <laughs> we could do a whole separate article on this alone. No kidding. So this curriculum is being used in some states and I, I give a very brief nutshell history of it to show people who's involved in this. And so Governor Pritzker of Illinois, it's sitting on his desk right now. Um, it, it's been passed and he's about to sign this, that this has to be part of the curriculum. And it's absolutely horrific. Um, and I, and I typed up some of the points that this curriculum has in it. And I have a link to the full curriculum for anyone who wants to read it. And I highly recommend that you check your schools and see if it's there because this is shocking. I mean, some really shocking, sick stuff. And, um, and so then I also covered the critical race theory, of course, and uh, a couple really key points in here pertaining to law that I pulled from and I linked in here, it was absolutely brilliant, um, from the AG, the new Republican AG in Montana wrote this. It's like a 25 page document. And I mean, it's just, it's really quite good. So, and then underneath that, I have some more information just, you know, on how to, you know, basic information on school boards, removing school board members, how to become a school board member, some, some of the motivational viral videos that I thought were fantastic. Um, and then additional resources and then kind of an action plan of, you know, how to approach all this and, get it done. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Yeah. So, I mean, it's and it's been... also, it's also available, um, in PDF format in the bookshop if anyone wants to print it out. Perfect. Yeah. It has been really eye opening seeing what they're trying to do in the school systems, especially, um, I think what brought it so much to the forefront was the CRT stuff, but then we really started seeing other videos too, like you had mentioned about what they're pushing in sex ed and the kind yeah. of literature that these kids are reading. And it's like half the school boards haven't even read the books that the mm -hmm. children are being forced to read. And when parents get up there and start reading them, it's, it is shocking. It's absolutely shocking what's part of the curriculum yeah. and so uh, parents are really definitely waking up to this but you know a lot of parents um, are very quiet they don't want to make a big deal and uh, you know maybe they're uh, they're objecting to this or they're deciding you know whether or not to pull their kids out but you know some of them probably uh, want to speak out and just you know having this information would be helpful um, not just to so. 
Yeah, I think not just for the talking points, but ways of getting organized and Mm -hmm. working together as like a coalition or a group, like what they have done in Loudoun County. I I saw a a group in Texas doing that same sort of thing, working together as an organized group to confront the school board. And I think you just have a lot more power um, that way when you have like a united voice. so yeah, definitely. I think this provides a lot of helpful information for for parents who are feeling kind of alone and uh, helpless um, right. because a lot of these school boards they just don't listen. Even when you right. when you see these parents speaking, it's like the school boards just don't care. Right. Um, but and if it reaches that point where they don't, then guess what? You're going to have to get your plans together and start talking with other parents, talk with some teachers who do care. There's a couple of great videos in here of a teacher who's who's speaking up and saying, look, students, you need to come forward. Teachers need to come forward. Parents need to come forward. This can't stand, you know, um, and, you know, start working together and building schools outside of the this public school system of indoctrination you know yep Yep. and uh, working on ways of getting these people out who have been in the system for so long Mm -hmm. it's funny i saw one parent say you know it's funny how you guys are you know this is all in the name of institutional you know racism when they were talking about you know critical race theory and how the system is racist and it's like what's funny is you've been in the system for decades you mm-hmm. are the system <laughs> right so, so if you're complaining about it you're actually the problem or part of it right so uh, anyways the hypocrisy yeah. level with these people it's just beyond but the, but the thing is, measure here's, here's the thing i think i don't know i just i look sometimes look at things a little differently, you know, through a different set of eyes. And I go, Hmm, the parents have complete power here. They do because they have a choice. They can take it there. They can battle. And if they see that they're, they're getting resistance, they're getting, you know, these people are ignoring them. Like you were just talking about, they don't seem to care. Then guess what? Then you make, then you make your choice and you say, well, we're going to be stronger without you. And we're going to pull you out. And I'm either going to homeschool. I'm going to get together with other parents and we're going to create our own school more and more that's happening. Yep. And so the parents have the power and if enough, you know, we've talked, we're talking, it's already, the rates already quadrupled. It's how many students are being pulled out of schools now. So what's going to happen to the public school system when this continues and everyone starts building the schools outside of the system. It's so, going to collapse. It would, so I mean, if, this, at this people rate. People need to go in knowing they've got the full power here. They are, you know, the school board works for the, for the parents. So absolutely they do. They just need to be reminded of that. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Goodness. So, well, good article. I think that's got a lot of good information. I was reading that last night and I was like, ah, good point. Good point. And there were a lot of, a lot of staggering statistics in it that I was like, wow. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. good to know. Yep. Okay. So um, you were busy this week. I was busy this week. I did this video here talking about farmers and ranchers and food security. So I was just really, ah, 
Hmm. I'm feeling for them because it feels like the odds are stacked against them with this administration. And I just wanted to highlight some of the problems that uh, farmers and ranchers are facing currently and how this could affect our affect our food supply. I mean, first of all, oh, we yeah. know this administration's primary goal is to fundamentally change our society in every way. And if you look at it from whether it's, you know, making us all dependent on the government for everything, all the way down to the kind of foods we eat. Yep. And it's all in the name of climate change. And, and how I, we spend our money. Yes, how we spend our money, everything. So I know that you've been doing a lot of research lately on smart cities, and we know that's their end game. They want us to all be consolidated into these smart cities where we own nothing and we're 100% dependent on the government. And of course, we've heard about the World Economic Forum and by 2030, how they want us to own nothing and we'll be we'll be happy. They they promise. Right. So, yeah. So if you look at farmers and ranchers from that perspective, then you see that their way of life absolutely goes against those plans. And so you have to really look at it through that lens. And that's why I believe the farmers and ranchers are really under assault. And consequently, so is our food supply. Um, So Biden's proposed some tax changes that will affect taxes at the time of death. And this could really be have a big impact on farmers and ranchers so much though so that farms and ranches may be forced to sell um, when the principal owner passes away and that um, that age group of people who own farms is getting older and older it's around the age of 60 so it's kind of reaching that time of where a lot of farms are going to be changing hands over the next several years And um, the Biden administration has said, well, look, and and the USDA have said, well, look, only 2% or less than 2% of farmers' estates are going to be impacted by these new tax changes. And there's going to be protections and exemptions for family farms and businesses to ensure that they stay in the family. But a Mm. lot of farmers and ranchers are still worried about it. And uh, they're saying, you know, there just really isn't a lot of data to support this claim. It's just a lot of uh, prompts empty promises so to speak they're they're not stupid they see the direction that this is going and in fact and in the meantime let me just interject one thought while you're talking about this i'm thinking huh and then we got like the the millennials and we got the you know you know the younger generations who they've been pumping full of technology forever you know pulling them completely away from anything labor oriented altogether away from trade skills and just wanting them to plug in and plug in and plug in. And so yep, that's you got to wonder what, what interest um, <laughs> a lot of the next generation has in maintaining right? the, this tradition that's been passed down for generations. Yeah, that is definitely yeah, so a problem. It's, it's kind of like a two-prong approach. So, mm-hmm. And in fact, Texas A&M University, they did a study on these new tax policies and they took um close to a hundred different farm estates and they looked at it and they said you know will these particular farms um be affected and they did a study on that and it turned out that about 98 percent um of those farms would be really affected um like huge huge tax changes um yeah so like 98 percent of them um would be affected by these tax changes so 
And um, it's not just about the, the taxes. It's that coupled with Biden's plan to put 30 percent of um, the U.S.'s land and water into conservation by 2030. And that's a a huge goal. I mean, how many acres is that? I don't even know. I I don't even know. You had Um, it in your video. It was like millions and millions and millions. Right. Okay. So, so uh, yeah, they're incentivizing farmers to put fields out of production currently um, in the sake Mm -hmm. of climate, for the sake of climate change, but they're not even close to their 30% goal, which means that they have to try to acquire 440 million more acres or twice the size of Texas to put into conservation. And of course, this is going to affect farms and ranches. Right. Um, So it's a massive land grab, in my opinion. And all of this is happening while we have, oh, you know, you know who, um, (laughs) Bill Gates, who's currently the largest private farmland owner, and he's trying to gain market share uh, for his fake meats, right? So, I mean, look at this right here, Bezos and Gates, Mm. back fake meat and dairy from fungus. And, uh, and this is, look at where they're doing it. Nature's Find is building a 35,000 square foot factory on the site of Chicago's former Union star- Stockyards, the epicenter of the 20th century meatpacking industry. It's just like a giant middle finger to okay. the beef industry. And it's like they're saying, look, uh, we're coming for you. We want a, a huge yep. slice of your, uh, of your market. And yep. so, you know, it just does definitely looks like there is this food war brewing between these fake foods, lab grown things. Uh, and we, we all know how well things that are grown in or produced in labs have been working out for us lately. So why don't we just switch from, you know, healthy things, agricultural products to now foods from labs. Okay. Great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And re- read that caption under that lovely photo there. Oh, unearthed by co-founder Mark Kozobal, a microbe from volcanic hot spring in Yellowstone Park. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yes, so we're going to be eating microbes if it's, Bill Gates and Bezos have anything to do with it. It's fermented, though, Edge, and it's oh. versatile. It's protein-rich source. Mm, tastes mm, like yummy. <laughs> it tastes delicious. No, no, no. Oh, I am not God. doing that. But definitely looks like they're they're trying every angle to squeeze farmers and ranchers um, oh, yeah. in every way possible. And uh, this administration, and we know this administration, like Biden's a puppet, and he's really just doing the tasks for these other entities and individuals and elites throughout the world who are trying to usher in this entirely new economy, entirely new uh, structure. Um, but uh, yeah, they're working feverishly to fundamentally change every aspect of society. Oh. And the agricultural industry is no exception. And, right. uh, and like a few weeks ago, I did, you know, the report I did with the USA coming down on the cattle ranchers wanting to do the RFIDs and then them building their poisonous, toxic, deadly plant, you know, in the middle of uh, Kansas there. It's, it's, insane what they're the what they're doing and then you know i was looking into i think in russia they've already begun testing um vaccines on animals there for covid 
So right? I'm like, bells, bells. When are they going to try to bring that over here? Are they going to try to inject the, you know, farm animals with, with this and the cattle? Or what are they going to, you know, where's this headed? Well, it, it all just looks really nefarious to me. If you're trying, oh, yeah. if you're an emerging market and you have a disgusting fungus product that you need to move <laughs> to replace delicious beef, then you're going to eliminate your competition any way you can. Well, and they make it all, you know, they've always marketed this as a very trendy fashionable thing that like restaurants should have and and so we're going to get this into you know they started with um well whole foods was a was a obviously a big pusher too of like beyond meat and impossible what is it called impossible impossible foods or something yeah something like that and um they've been working at this for quite some time now and then they start working it into the restaurant. So you, you go to a restaurant and some of them are fast food and some of them are sit down restaurants. You know, of course, it's always the bigger chain ones where you can now get a meatless burger at, at restaurants. So they're they're trying to trend it up and mm-hmm. make it seem like a really healthy way. And of course, once again, we're doing it under the guise of climate change. We should do like a bullet point article that lists all the things they've, they are trying to change under the guise of climate change. It's about as crazy as all the things they call racist. Like food right. items I, are racist. I think it would be you know? easier to list the things that they're not trying to change. Right. <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> There'd be like one uh, thing. True. Uh, yeah, yeah, in so- fact, I was just reading last night I should have sent you the link. Um, all right. So if you do a search, you don't have to do it. I'm just telling telling people that are listening. If you if you do a search for Buttigieg Transportation Department, $905 million. Um, I think about a month ago he did, there was $250 million, and now we've got another $905 million that are going out to projects in uh, 24 different states. Oh, wait, let me take that back. Excuse me. The first one was like 22 projects in 13 states. And then the second one may have been 24 states or it's 24 projects. I can't remember, but some of them are legit. You know, they're putting money towards fixing up bridges or highways. And then you have a bunch having to do with the rail system and you've got the port, the ports. And let's see, there was one in Iowa that had to do with grain and fertilizer and being able to move it. And then in California, let's see, it was in Los Angeles, there was one for safe streets. Now, if someone has never heard of safe streets, what they really mean is surveillance. So that is all under the whole smart city umbrella, where they're going to say, we're going to create better uh, crosswalks and trails and paths for pedestrians so that we have less car accidents. It it is a whole crazy thing that they've manufactured, a storyline they've manufactured. And in the lights, the street lights, there'll be cameras and all this good stuff. So this just posted about a week ago. um, And you can, in the press release, they have a link to the full um, PDF so you can see how much money is being allocated to these projects and what they all are. <clears throat> People need to keep their eyes on the whole transportation industry because that's going to play a big role in everything. Absolutely, it will. And once again, it's that same old story of we're going to keep you safe, but you're going to have to sacrifice your privacy. 
Yep. And oh, yeah. uh, it's the same thing in every way, shape, or form. They're trying to sell this uh, surveillance state to us by marketing it as safety. Yeah. Okay. Let's t- let's pull statistics on how many. I'm not kidding. This is their basis <laughs> on how many pedestrians have been hit by cars from like walking out into the crosswalk too soon or, and they're going to use that as this is why we need to have cameras everywhere. Cause this will help protect you. <laughs> well, those okay. statistics wouldn't be high enough. So then you can expect a bunch of people to be pushed out into the street just so they could drive the statistics up. Isn't that <laughs> right. how it works? Right. <sighs> These people, but we need to rally again uh, against this. We need to rally behind farmers and ranchers. Um, I know that you uh, showed me a really good website. Farmmatch.com is one way to find some local uh, farms to support and go direct to. Um, I know that the uh, American Farm Bureau actually has a tab on their website you can go to for like being um, getting involved and contacting Congress and protesting against some of these um, Biden orders and Biden policies, including the tax policies and stuff that are going to affect farmers and ranchers. So um, there's right. definitely some ways that we can um, battle it. And fortunately, um, it, it looks like Biden's tax plan, it's really kind of starting to stall and lose steam uh, because uh, apparently nobody wants higher taxes. Imagine, Imagine that. that. And they don't want the government to be spending like crazy, which they mm-hmm. are. Um, so there's not a lot of support right now and it's, it's kind of losing steam. So, but we just need to be vigilant about it, stay on top of it and, uh, you know, voice our opinions on it and right. contact our representatives. Yeah. But, uh, so some good news this week, and I thought this was great just to, to watch was, uh, you know, President Trump announcing that he's taken it, taken on big tech. So <laughs> <laughs> In a class um, action. In a class action lawsuit against Facebook, Twitter, and Google, and their chief executive, Zuckerberg, Dorsey, and Pichai. So love hearing that. Uh, you know, yeah. I don't, I'm pretty sure anybody listening to this podcast is well aware that pretty much half the country and millions of people around the world um, are being censored, deplatformed by big tech, pretty much anyone who challenges the narrative that they want pushed. And yep. uh, these, these big tech oligarchs, they, they hide behind exemptions of Section 230, which is a major problem. And uh, this, these protections, they shield them from liability uh, when they shut down free speech, which is a very one-sided. It all tends to go against us. And, um, you know, they, but they shut down doctors, politicians. They shut down the freaking president. I know. And uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. scientists. We are living through, I tell you. Yeah, people with legitimate arguments based on facts. If it, if it goes against the narrative, um, it gets shut down. Yet abhorrent behavior uh, and, and speech, mm-hmm. like, like dictators who advocate for terrorism or predators mm-hmm. who use the platform to prey on children, those get a free pass. And um, oh, Absolutely. Yeah, speaking of which, um, there was a um, Supreme Court, Texas Supreme Court ruling um, against Facebook um, just a week or two ago. And this was, um, Facebook was using Section 230 as a defense um, and this Texas Supreme Court shut it down, um, basically saying that, I that one. 
Yeah, that um, because Facebook was saying using the argument that Section 230 protects them from liability if predators use their site for sex trafficking. And um, that argument was shut down by the Texas Supreme Court, who said that we do not understand Section 230 to create a lawless no man's land on the Internet in which states are powerless to impose liability on uh, websites that knowingly or intentionally participate in the evil of online human trafficking. Well, not not only that, and I don't know if this was a point that was made or brought up, but I got to believe with all the diggers out there that they were bringing this to Facebook's attention, just like we've done on Twitter and, you know, other, I'm never on Facebook, but I've done that on Twitter before. As soon as we see accounts like this, we bring it to their attention. We're like, shut this shit down. These are predators, da, da, da. So it's not like, oh, it happened and we just didn't know it was happening. So we're protected by 230. You know, they they knew it was going on. Right. I mean, the second that you make a statement that goes against the narrative, they shut you down fast. I mean, they've got plenty yeah. of. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they know what everyone's saying it every time. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. But they don't seem to care as much or prioritize as much when it comes to the online predators. Um, so but this court decision, although it's a completely different topic when one is talking about sex trafficking, the other one is talking about First Amendment rights. But the point is that this court decision does set a good precedent for President Trump's case and the limitations that Section 230 protections have. So yeah. I'm thinking and I'm wondering if this is even going to be brought up in the civil suit, um, in the lawsuit. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I'm, I think it could actually help it- uh, President Trump's case. Yeah, it could definitely be a reference point there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oops. Looks like I I lost this page. <laughs> oh, well. Um, so let me see if I can... Um, I think it's called, I was looking for the the website. So there's a, actually a website because I know a lot of people are interested in joining uh, the class action lawsuit and have been asking how to do that. And um, we've been directed to, um, oh yeah, this is the site right here. Duh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but if you just go to um, takeonbigtech.com, it's going to redirect you to this site. And you can, um, if you're interested in actually joining the class action, um, it's going to direct you to this right here where you, you know, fill this out and you can get more information or you can tell your story about how you've been uh, censored or deplatformed by big tech. So, hey, do you think that remember, Okay, so when he was still president about a year ago and, and he put it up on the White House site where you could go in and submit, um, information about if you were deplatformed or censored by so by big tech do you remember that where yeah, they were yeah. they were gathering all of that so i wonder if some of that information you know if that's going to become a part of this and um those people are i don't know if they'll automatically be entered into the class action because I, i'm trying to remember how that was worded back then but it was kind of like you know we're gonna we're getting we're gathering this information so if you want to be a part of it you know send us what's been done to you and show us you know screenshots and the proof and yada yada so good point i wonder how long trump's been working on this he could have been working on it for quite some time oh i think so yeah yeah 
So um, that'll be interesting to watch. I mean, these things do take time, and I know people are frustrated, um, but it's good to see some action happening at least. Um, And then we had some really interesting um, news this week also about the president of Haiti. And lots of differing differing opinions on, um, you know, what exactly happened with this assassination. Of course, Hillary Clinton's name was trending this week. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what's funny? So I went into the Clinton Foundation because I wanted to see if they put out uh, uh, some sort of a press release on it. You know, because, hey, Partners in Health did. They're good buddies. And there's she didn't tweet anything about it. There's no press release. In fact... I'm like, well, this is weird. They haven't put out a press release on anything in six weeks. And they're pretty consistent about doing like one a week, sometimes every couple of weeks. Um, so that was kind of interesting. Just, you know, looked right past it. Like got to lay low for this one, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Better not say anything. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm not really sure. I'm kind of on the fence of what actually happened here because I know Moise had a lot. He's not a good person. He's not a good dude. Um, I think that he was actually installed in part by the Clinton Clintons. I mean, Martelli they all, they were, all, was and by then, our government. Yeah, Mar- Martelli installed Moise. So I feel like by you know by that um kind of chain of events it's really you know moise is uh, you know in part was installed by the clintons so um it's hard to say you know and then i know that people in haiti really disliked him Mm -hmm. um he was kind of ruling by fiat like a dictator uh you know extended his his presidency by over a year and right uh, and elections were coming up this uh september i think it's september 26th there they were finally going to do the presidential election this year yeah, and then we know about, of course, the Clintons and the, the foundation and how all, of, all the money laundering schemes, uh, money that was intended to go to the earthquake that really never did. And Moise was part of that, too. He, he was accused of embezzling millions himself that was mm-hmm. supposed to help rebuild Haiti. So uh, the man had a lot of enemies. Um, and, you know, that country, it, it really seems to be run by criminals, by uh, yeah. human trafficking, drug trafficking cartels. And yeah. so, you know, pretty much any president that is um, in power is going to be involved with that, with the real oligarchs, the the drug traffickers and the, you know, the yeah. cartels that run the country, basically. So um, who knows really who ended up killing him. But, you know, they the inf- only information we have is that it looked like a military style operation and they were speaking both English and Spanish and we oh, didn't yeah. even and see then the videos the, yeah then the video was coming out where they're saying uh they announced themselves as dea and now reports are coming out saying that they weren't dea they were just announcing themselves like that and they did a whole hostage situation and and what they've killed they say they i think they say they've killed like four people that were involved with this and they have two um they're detained right now Yep. Yep. So um, here, here's the thing is that I wouldn't put, put it past any of our agencies to do something like this because we know the CIA's history and involvement with overthrowing leaders and governments, especially like in South America and other areas. But 
um, the, the, the idea that they would announce who they are as they're doing the assassination is bizarre to me. That doesn't seem like something that if, if, our, if our agents were involved um, that they would do. Um, right. But I, I, I wouldn't put it past them, I guess I should say. So I'm kind of open to either option. And um, we know the DEA um, has been accused of being dirty because there's DEA offices in Haiti. And they've been accused of being dirty and actually providing cover for drug trafficking. Oh, yeah, I did a, I did a whole report on that. Uh, God, what was it? Probably like three years ago, two years ago. And Trey Gowdy had uh, put out a letter uh, demanding an investigation into that whole situation with the DA out there. Right. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, as of now, they've said that they've killed four suspects, four suspected assassins and arrested the two others. And we have no other information on these, but here's the deal. If, if, if any of this, you have to take these reports with a grain of salt, because if this assassination was in any way state sponsored, we know that whoever, you know, is caught is really just the patsy, right? So, right. Um, they're going to install who they want to install like they've always done over there. Yep. And now yep. they've declared a state of siege with 15 days of martial law, which I don't think is even possible to do because you have to have like, they, they don't even have like a parliamentary in order right now. So it's a pretty crazy situation. And uh, we'll, we'll, you know, as with all of these types of situations, we'll probably never know the full truth. Right. And also with these types of situations, time sort of does, you know, give you more perspective and you start seeing motivations and reasons why someone would maybe um, want to take him out. So I think and that with time is in Miami now, she survived, had a gunshot wound. I haven't I haven't looked recently. I haven't looked today into that to see what the status is, but she is still alive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on to more good news. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this is pretty crazy. Six months after a mob of supporters of President Donald J. Trump stormed the Capitol, the United States Capitol Police is planning to expand operations outside of Washington in an effort to better protect lawmakers. So they are now opening field offices in California and Florida. And God knows how many more states they're going to start trying to do that with to create a freaking, you know what? It's very frustrating. And this article let me find that paragraph I sent you the screenshot of. It's just such a crock. Um, they say the announcement came as Capitol Police presented a number of steps the agency has taken since the attack, which left dozens of officers from the department and the District of Columbia Police Police Force bloodied and injured. Lawmakers evacuated the Capitol and some cowered inside as the rioters incensed by Mr. Trump's lie of a stolen election tried to stop Congress from formalizing President Biden's victory. And then they, they go into their, their sorrows over the two police officers who died. And at once do they mention Ashley, of course, you know, right. Right. Can't tell that side of the story either. And, and we've already talked in depth about 
Officer Sicknick and the, the mystery surrounding his death, how it was reported on, mm-hmm. uh, misreported on, zero retractions on that, or if they did retract, it was, you know, fine print and no, never got any attention. But, right. you know, they always bring up Officer Sicknick with this, and it's, it has nothing to do with the riot. Or, right. or January 6th at all. I mean, he, right. we, we already know Officer Sicknick was contacting family members saying, I'm fine. You know, I've got a little mace in my eyes or something, you know. Yeah. And uh, they really, really pushed that that Officer Sicknick story. And, yeah. um, and then, you know, God knows what happened to the other officer here who, uh, quote unquote, committed suicide. Um, so it's... It's just, you know, but they have to ha- keep touting that as their justification for now having um, field offices, right? Expanding yep. their authoritarianism. Yep. Yep. It's disgusting. It is. And, and we're starting to see their motivations now with all of this. It wasn't, you know, just about getting Trump out of office. It's really about transforming and turning this uh, country that was a free country into this surveillance and police state. I don't know if I would go so far as to say it was a free country, but <laughs> definitely involving and in, evolving into uh, far worse, far worse. So, yeah, lots of fronts we have to battle. Yes, there are. And uh, thanks to reporting, you know, by independent journalists, alt media, I mean, they've really, really started um, uncovering a lot of things um, surrounding that particular day. And, um, you know, yeah. So, what are you working on? Various activities. Actually, I'm not working on anything. <laughs> nice. Breaks are good. Kind of I, break. Well, I, I'm going to be up. I was up till 2.30 in the morning working for hours on cleaning out some stuff in my computer and getting some repairs done. And as soon as we're done with this, I'm going back to that. It's it's a week of cleanup and repair. And, uh, and then I'm going to get back to working on the vaccine ID passport series um, and showing where that's leading and who's behind it good good stuff because that is like part of their end game speaking of the the whole sending people to our doors now what a crack of shit so the world's the world's most deadliest virus and we're gonna send people right to your home just to convince you that it's the world's deadliest virus so you'll get the injection this is the fact that they're having to do this is very telling. Right. I, I, I think their numbers are highly exaggerated on what they're saying as far as how many people have been vaccinated. I think so too. And, and even with that, I don't even know what percentage they're claiming right now. I've lost track. Um, but, you know, it just shows you how many people are opposed to this. They do not want to be a guinea pig. They do not want an experimental injection that's going to cause God knows what. There's a lot out there on on that. And uh, of course, the VAERS reporting over 6,000 people have already died. There's thousands upon thousands of people that have had terrible side effects. And as fast as you report that, they censor you too. Yep. So 
so now, so now we're going to send people to your doors to try to convince you that you need the injection. I can't wait right? till someone I mean, shows the, up at my door. Right? I'm booby trapping <laughs> my front door. <laughs> That's no. a great idea. <laughs> but oh, too funny. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't mean, know. Th- this is just the implications here are that you're too stupid to understand the information, so we have to come to your door to give you the information. No, we understand it. Right. I think everyone should type up a little bullet point in in like mm, 16 point size bullet point list with about maybe half a dozen key figures, mainly from VAERS reporting system (laughs) and the side effects and whatnot. And then when they come to your door, don't even say a word, open the door and just hand it to them. Right. With the link to VAERS and that's it. Be gone. Yep, exactly. You should, you should do that. You should, you know how you just did bullet (laughs) points for how to talk to a school board in three to five minutes. You should do bullet points on how to talk to, um, Biden's talk. Biden's paper. Yes. Well, yeah. (laughs) Or just tape it to your door. Hello. Greetings. Mm -hmm. If you are here from the Biden administration, exactly review these bullet points and here's a link to the website so you can go see for yourself well do you remember how the democrats were so up in arms when um arizona auditors were going door to door just canvassing making sure that the people who uh who were on the list of who voted and going to those people and saying no that is not allowed that is voter (laughs) intimidation but we're gonna as the federal government come to your house and inquire about medical information and and Uh tell you you need to get your your jab yeah that's not intimidation really just laminate just laminate that bullet point list on your door and hey if a friend or a neighbor or someone stops by either they're going to get a kick out of it or you're going to learn who who not to hang out with anymore anyway so i guarantee you they're not coming in my neighborhood no (laughs) (laughs) but i can i I can tell you who they're going to target they're going to target people who they think may may be more willing to convince Mm mm-hmm and um like the know, older older people older They're people older yeah people. Mm-hmm. yep it goes. yeah it's frustrating we've just got to do um our job on our end of continue to, to inform people um and empower people and give people that sense of community that they're not alone and that they can stand firm in their beliefs and yep. and not and not you know waver so right and I think that's working. I really do think that the alternative message is getting out there, even oh, yeah. despite all the censorship. So we're, we're making some major progress, I think. That's good. Yep. Agreed. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today on Dig It with Corey from Corey's Digs and myself, The Sharp Edge. Hopefully, speaker will join us back next week. And uh, please be sure to share this podcast. We're on BitChute, Foxhole, Gab TV, iHeartRadio pill.net soundcloud spotify stitcher tune in youtube and odyssey we'll see you back next time right here on dig it mm-hmm.